Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM. This is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. When it comes to women on the move, we love to highlight them, and this particular group is transforming lives of women one at a time. We sit down with the founder of Sisters in Transformation. We just feel like we're all in a transformation state all of our lives. Sharaday Howard has our newsmaker of the week who's a survivor of gun violence. So as I'm sitting there, I'm just it's still processing it. Like I'm really laying here shot and I'm watching somebody go through my car and just drive away with it. Sabrina Boyd Circa is in for Antoinette Lee with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. Now that's a half hour you don't want to miss and it's all coming up on Bridging Philly. Hello and welcome to Bridging Philly. Well, we talk lots of issues on this program, especially the ones that impact various communities across our region. And this is a program that is hosted and produced by women. So when we get a chance to highlight women's empowerment groups, we definitely want to do that. Joining me today is Terry Stigler. She is one of the founders of Sisters in Transformation. It's a nonprofit organization that provides black and brown women in particular with tools, education, and resources on topics like mental health, physical health, finances, relationships, self-care, parenting, and community. They also have a women's empowerment conference coming up on Saturday, September 24th. It's going to be in Pensacola, New Jersey. We are going to hear about all of that and more. Welcome to Bridging Philly, Terry. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, um, Raquel. I would really appreciate being here and allowing us to talk about our organization. And just hello to all your listeners as well. well really we, appreciate you. We appreciate the time you're taking to uh, spend some time with us today. So first, tell me about Sisters in Transformation and how it all came about. What happened was there was a group of us, but I came to the group about some one-off stuff that pandemic, you know, I'm, I was doing comedy previous, not stand up, but promoting comedy. And I was like, we need to do a comedy on zoom. And I did one. It was great. Took it to this group and they led me to believe they wanted to do this, but they pitched this um, idea. We hadn't had the name yet, but just a sister group. And so it came about like that. The three of us, Kenya Purnell and Desiree Reeves and myself, just brainstorming. And what we knew is that we're walking into this pandemic and we got to walk out of it better than we went in. 
because a lot of people, we didn't, we just could see that it wasn't going to be a good thing, you know? Um, and so we wanted it to be a safe place for women um, where we could congregate still. Like so many people, we, you know how they were isolating. And also when people got sick, you couldn't go see them. It was it's just a mess. I'm not saying it's over, but we knew that it was something that we had to come back with our sisterhood and just coming together that way. And so it was kind of formed going in that pandemic and wanting us to be greater when we come out and intact. You always tell my daughter, hey, if I'm nuts and crazy, I can't help you. And so let's keep saying, we want to keep saying, and we got to get out of um, everybody else's first. We got to be a little selfish. Come on. Because if we're not okay, we're the backbone, the moms, the, you know, the, all the, the wives, all the things that we are. When we go down, nobody is okay. So we got to keep us. I was curious about the name Sisters in Transformation. What does it mean to be in transformation and what are we transforming into or from? Ah, that's a great question because we really toyed with the name. We wanted it just, just to be impactful and to just, you know, have a hard hitting, um, you know, catchy. And so we just feel like we're all in a transformation state all of our lives because we feel like if you're not growing and progressing, that you're really dying. Like there is no in between just, oh, I'm just here. You know how people say, I'm good. I'm good. No, no. If you're not progressing and learning and, and getting better, so the transformation is all a positive um, getting better. At, if it's your uh, career, uh, health, whatever, all that mind, body, spirit, and soul and finances, we need to transform into the people that we really want to be and that we know we can be into our destiny that for me, for what I know that God has a purpose for my life. And to find that purpose you have to keep transforming, keep transforming. So we say transformation activated. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Sisters in Transformation has membership here in Philadelphia, but also across the country. Tell me how the membership works. Do you have different chapters? So not yet. We, we foresee that. But because of when we started and it was this Zoom world that we were in, we just wanted to reach people outside of our own area. So it really kind of started the other two um, founders are in New Jersey. I'm in Pennsylvania, right here in Philadelphia. And so we wanted to reach. We have friends all over. So we just started calling and emailing and texting people that we know first. And so that's how it kind of grew out of that and asking everyone to reach one, you know, because there's plenty of people still that we haven't met. And so we have a, had a few live things where we're getting to meet people, but we wanted to be able to touch you wherever you are. So we're, and I'm from Wisconsin. So I have some members in Wisconsin. We have people in um, uh, Georgia and in Virginia, Delaware, you know, those surrounding DC areas and all the, of course, the tri-state in New York, Virginia. So just all over, you know, uh, we have members. Well, let's talk about some of the various ways that the group supports women, starting with mental and physical health. Now, these are two areas that never get old because, of course, we as women tend to neglect those areas because we're always, as you mentioned, taking care of everyone else. 
But we really need to zero in on us because if we're not good, then other people can't be good. So when are uh, at least the people that we love that we take care of? So how are some of the ways that the group goes about supporting women uh, when it comes to physical and mental health? So what we're doing is that we've had conferences before and we have workshops. Um, and so we pick subjects that the members are interested in and also that it falls under mind, body and soul and finances. And so mind, of course, is that mental health and wanting to make sure that that we are good there, you know, mentally. And so um, we've had people come in and just talk about the mental health. Um, doctors have come in at conferences we had. We had a conference called Goal Diggers, you know, but it's G-O-A-L. And then we followed with Goal Hitters. And so the goal we gave, you know, people to uh, in that to do homework, but the mental health piece was the key. And we had someone come on talking about, um, you know, some keys and what we could do and that it is okay. The basic thing that the mental health um, therapist and uh, professional talked about was it's okay to get help. It's not okay not to get help. And that's the key because we're, it's hush hush in some of our communities and our families, you know, what happens in the family stays in the family. No more of that, you know, um, people do things that, that people don't understand. And it's because of their mental health state. And so we're just bringing awareness and uncovering things that are going on that you might, might be happening in your own household or family that you can direct people now to therapists and that it, and your insurance is paying for some of this as well, that it is okay. It is okay and necessary to get help. So we're doing workshops and even our um, conferences were dedicated to a portion of bringing in speakers on that part of it. And the physical health, and the, you know, health, it's all intertwined, you know, it's like we want the, the mind, body, and soul, all of it. It's not pieces. We want it to be all together. And so we find that also mental health, if you're taking care of the physical health, you're feeling better. We've had um, walking where we're walking together, even on Zoom, doing things like that. At our conference, we had a young lady who was um, a fitness expert come on and we actually did actual physical um, exercise with her. We had a um, another lady who did, who does um, chair yoga. So we were actually on Zoom and it was amazing doing the chair yoga. So all of that kind of thing, which was some meditation. Um, and then now if our speakers come on, what they're willing to do is put packages together. We send it out so that you can have a, a weekly workout, you know. So just really trying to give the information where you get it, but then bring the information. It's one thing to just, oh, here, this is where you go. This is what you do. And, but to bring the people to you, even if it's just Zoom, because Zoom is very powerful um, during this time when we're not as mobile. Getting better now, but when we walked into this, we were not mobile at all. Yeah, yeah. And it's important that, you know, we come out of this pandemic, like you said, whole um, and 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 recharged and, and better than before. 
And uh, I know that Sisters in Transformation considers it a safe space. These are you, you tackle some issues that may be sensitive, maybe kind of private, maybe people don't want to divulge information, but it's considered a safe space. And we don't like to be judged. We right. don't like to be judged. But, you know, sometimes when you talk about things, you realize that there are other people in your same boat, in your same situation. Um, so yeah. talking really does, it, it really does uh, uh, kind of help things out. So, you know, checking in with each other, I'm sure that's something that you you uh, you push for and you uh, advocate for, because uh, when it comes to mental health, like we were talking about, sometimes just talking it out is what you need to do. Oh, my gosh. And that safe space is so important because everywhere we go, I mean, life, you know, they say they always say life is great. Then you die. I, I say life is great. Then you live. Because you have to live with whatever is going on. And sometimes it's not so great. I know my pastor and talk about, um, you know, when somebody said, well, how are you doing? Um, or hello. And, you know, um, how's it going? And we're like, oh, I'm good. Everything's great. You know, oh, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. You know, all of this. But what is really going on? Like, you know, and so we want sisters to be able to say, what is really going on? And when I ask you, how are you doing? Like recently I said to a, a friend, um, how are you? She's like, you know, um, I'm good. I said, but how are you? How are you? She's like, um, I'm, I'm doing good. I said, but she didn't sound good, mm. you know? And so I said, just to let you know that if you need to talk, you know, and she's a part of Sisters in Transformation. I said, please, you can talk. You can, you can, it is a safe place. We pride ourselves on not, you know, no gossiping, not this whisper down the lane type of thing that you can feel like you can. If you want to come on and we were doing um, taboo talk, um, kind of a spinoff from the red table of Jada, mm. but we called it taboo talks. And we had it once a month of, of subjects that you don't talk about with a lot of people because it's a secret to you or you feel like nobody else, like you were saying, nobody else is going through it. It could be um, about your, your marriage. Uh, it could be specific about your children. Mm -hmm. Things are going on. I was always told when they, from 13 to about 21, don't take anything. Don't get offended by anything your teenager says, <laughs> you know, so, you know, th things like that. Um, if you want to cry, there's nothing wrong with crying, you know, um, it's a release, those kind of things. And so that safe space, the other thing that we do, we want to be inclusive, not exclusive. And so what happens is we don't focus on religion or politics. Now, okay. I'm not saying that those discussions, because we, everybody talks about different things. Um, it's not that we don't talk about it. It's just that we don't focus. So we're not saying, so we have Every, you know, person, you know, religion, Christian, you know, uh, Israelites, we have uh, Quakers, we have Muslims, you name it. Um, and so it doesn't matter. We're all women and we have so much in common. And so we're using the commonality, um, you know, to bind, to, to bind us um, together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to money matters, because I know that's another area that the group focuses on and helps women with. Um, I think we all could use some help. I'm wondering what kind of uh, activities or programs that you have to to help us along those lines. I mean, we're we're pretty much still playing catch up when it comes to wealth building in general. So this this is a 
a major um, passion of mine because I am a financial professional and that's what I do for a living, helping people, you know, make better decisions with their money so they can feel better financially, um, especially in these times of this inflation that's crazy. So the key things are is that we have to give ourselves permission um, to save, give ourselves permission to start where we stand and it's okay if our parents didn't teach us. There's a lot of things that um, we don't know is because no one taught us. And a lot of the, the very common, simple principles that we need to know how money works, you know, is not taught in school. So you see all these different subjects taught and then how often do you use them? And the subject that is used every single day is, is kind of left out. And some of the concepts are fifth grade math about money, how it compounds. And, and so some of the basic things that I feel like are missing is that we don't want to talk about what's going on financially. And anytime you don't talk about the problem, does it go away? It, it just, it doesn't go away. And so people don't want to talk about it because they're, um, they might be making a lot of money. They don't really want you to know because they don't want you asking for anything or telling anyone. And now you have people at the door, like, you know, wanting their handout. The other is they're embarrassed because it appears that they're doing better than they are. And that's, and that's okay. You know, um, and they don't want you to know because you think they're doing, it might be a doctor, a lawyer, or people who you really feel are doing very well, but when you do their financial needs analysis, they're not, okay? They're not because they're just spending more because they have more, but they're living above their means just like anyone else. And so the, the key is to, is how much, not how much you make, but how much can you save, you know, that kind of thing. And so I find that the basic of financial literacy is some is like a will. You know, people take for granted that a will isn't important. Oh, I don't have anything, you know, you know, but it's really a peace of mind for a family when someone has a will because there's a living part of it. There's the financial part. There's so many um, areas of a will, not just, oh, who gets the car, <laughs> who gets the family ring, <laughs> those kind of things. Um, and also life insurance, and, you know, people don't equate it, but life insurance really is income protection. And when somebody passes away, that income is gone. So that's major in a family. And so just some of those key things that we could start with the base of your portfolio, life insurance, and we're teaching this. So as with the sisters, we have put, we have been, um, Lucky to do some of, we have a financial explosion or revolution, it was, series. And so we did, it's called The Last Love Letter, which is all about life insurance. And we did stuff on taxes. So we just put it into a workshop so people can come and it's free and get information. But again, what we like to do is give you the resource. So if I tell you there's um, some great investments that you really need to look into, I can put you into that. You know, what I can see, Terry, is that, you know, that I'm assuming that different women from the different areas have different backgrounds, different professions yeah. that can bring all of this to the group. You're the financial 
whiz uh, of the group and can probably help people with that. And there might be a doctor that can help with other things. And together, you know, everyone can bring something else to the table to help uplift and empower women. So that's awesome. Yeah. I also understand, uh, Terry, that, you know, along with uh, financial help and, and mental and, uh, and physical help, that you help uh, women with goal setting. And I'm assuming that you help uh, young women, especially with, when it comes to setting goals. What sort of uh, programs uh, have you had in the past to help women uh, set goals? We have a lot of workshops. And so, but the people who put the workshops together, we have committees because we're a membership um, base and then we form committees. And so within those committees, we're working with each other to setting goals for ourselves as well as setting goals for the community and planning it. And so we're just working around with our committees. Like there's a workshop committee, there's a vendor sponsor committee, there's a um a charity committee, you know, or service, we call it service committees. So all of those are the way we do the setting goals is more internal of why are you here? You know, um, what do we need to be giving back to the community and then ourselves? And so kind of combining all of that together as an organization to make it um, the transformation. And so when we have events, uh, we took a trip. We talked about, you know, why are we here? What are your goals for transforming? And um, we're asking people, you know, all the time to please send in, you know, email us or um, give us a little um, blurb on why you're here, why you came, are you transforming? What is your transformation? And how can we help you with it? And what so far have we done to get you there? You know, so, I mean, like we went on a trip and it was um, not a retreat, a recharge to Virginia. And it was amazing. We did sister walks where we're talking and just encouraging. What I find before people are ready to set goals um, and share is they just have to trust. And so we're working on trusting each other and knowing that, to help each other and not to harm and the positive talk. You know, I, I believe and always been trained that whatever you tell your brain, it's true. And your brain has to play out what you say because you say it because you control your brain. And so that self-talk, because we have some of that um, stinking thinking and mm -hmm. we, we do that. So we, we try to be the loudest ear for our members and positive, you know, so um, we're, we'll probably email you to death or to life, I should say, and um, texting. We have a group me's and all of that just to, you know, sending positive things to you all the time just to, for you to know that you matter. We care about you. You are loved and um, you're important. So that's kind of how we do it in, in the group. Great. That's awesome. Love this. And as I mentioned uh, at the start of the program, there is a conference that is coming up, a Women's Empowerment Conference, Transformation Activated. It's coming up on Saturday, uh, September 24th in Pensacola, New Jersey. And the speaker of the conference is joining us now, Dr. Carol Penn. She is a meditation and movement coach, and she will be at the conference. Welcome to the program, Dr. Penn. 
Oh, I am so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for hosting this program. I love it. Sisters in Transformation. Very powerful title. Very powerful. Very awesome. What will you be bringing to the conference coming up on September 24th? Well, I am going to be talking a lot about mindset and mindset mastery. I'm going to be reminding people that we do have the ability to heal from within and that these skills can be cultivated, whether it be meditation, approaches to mindfulness, mindful eating, mindful and contemplative movement, all of which are designed to reset our autonomic nervous system. So that sympathetic, which is what we're dealing with now, stressed out, always the foot on the gas pedal, needs to be balanced with the parasympathetic, the tend and befriend, the rest and release. A lot of us have forgotten how to let go, how to truly relax Mm -hmm. and how to truly rest. And these things are all mediated, Terry was just talking about this, by our brains. So sometimes just a little information coupled with some experiential feelings where you go, oh, wow, I felt great after doing that breathing activity. I felt great after doing that movement. Mm -hmm. How can I do more of this? So I really want to get that message out there to the women, women wearing multiple hats. They're busy, they're employees, they're entrepreneurs, they're parents, they're caregivers. And sometimes everybody is on that list, but themselves. You have to put yourself on that list. Yeah. You said, you said mindful. And we use the term mindfulness a lot, but I don't know if anyone's really explained that. What does it mean to be mindful? Mindful really means to be doing what you're doing, not multitasking. We have this great myth out here regarding, oh, well, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. We have these, you know, double computer monitors. So, you know, I'm here, here, and then here's the, you know, the emails, you know, God forbid we miss an email going on over here instead of, okay, when you're eating, you're really eating. You're not texting. You're not watching TV. You're not even eating around a lot of people that you, you don't care to be around. You're focused on enjoying your food, taking in what's on your plate. A lot of us, if you ask, well, what'd you eat for breakfast or lunch? We can't tell you because we kind of shoved it all in and we were doing all those other things. We didn't even really taste our food. So Mm -hmm. this teaches, mindfulness teaches you the approach, pay attention to what you're doing and do that wholeheartedly and a hundred percent. Then you can move to the next activity with that same attention to detail, that same mindfulness where you are focused. So you're really training your brain to pay attention, to take in the details and to be here now. That's what mindfulness means. It means to be here now doing what you're doing right now in this moment with not a whole lot of other ancillary activities mm. going on simultaneously. I am so glad you explained that, Carol. I, Dr. Penn, I am so glad you explained that because I think because of the way we are living, we're missing out on life. I, I think we're missing out on a lot of things. I mean, there's so much beauty and so much happening, but because we're multitasking, and I couldn't tell you what I ate 
for the past couple of days because, (laughs) you know, there's you're on the phone, you're doing this, you're doing a million things. And if there's something to be enjoyed in that moment, perhaps I didn't get to experience that because I'm not being mindful. Absolutely. It's, you know, there's an old saying that says, stop and smell the roses, you know, notice and you said it, you use the word beauty. Beauty in and of itself is healing. And if you can stop and notice the beauty that is around you or the beauty in the moment, you might be missing your blessing by being too busy mm. doing all these other things instead of stopping and paying attention. A coach of mine once pointed out, you know, there are a finite number of sunrises and sunsets in each human life. Try not to miss too many of them. Mm. Wow. 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 Let that sink in right there. Hmm. Our days are bookended by beauty, by God's absolute delight in humanity in the world. What's more beautiful than a sunrise or a sunset? Mm. And how many do you, you know, miss because you're hitting the snooze button as opposed to, oh my goodness, I just want to wake up and be blessed with beauty, unbelievable beauty. And that light is going to come into my eyes. It's going to wake up my brain. It's going to give me more energy for the rest of the day Mm -hmm. by letting that light enter my eyes. Wow. Awesome. Profound, right? Uh, very, very profound. And wow. you want to hear more about this profoundness. You definitely want to be at this conference. Terry, tell us a little bit more about how people, you know, what else you're going to see at the conference and how people can get more information and, and get some tickets to this the conference. Well, listen, if I wasn't going, I'd be going now. <laughs> I'd buy my ticket because after Dr. Um, Penn just talked and I was um, able to go to something that she did before. So I'm not going to talk about that, but I know from experience that it's her, she's going to be a treat with the meditation and movement. Um, We also have our keynote speaker is Kimberly S. Reed. She's a best-selling author of Optimists Always Win. And the great news is that everyone who's coming will get a copy of her book. She'll be set up after to do book signing and so just, you know, it is on September 24th and it starts at 11 a.m. and goes to 3 p.m. and it's jam packed. You know, it's at the Pensacola Country Club, 3800 Haddonfield Road in Pensacola um, Township, New Jersey. And so what we love is that it's going to be a sit down lunch, you know, so when you go on our website, you know, it's sistersintransformation.com. We're spelling sisters a little different. It's S-I-S-T-A-H-S in transformation. You can go and buy a ticket there, but it's, you know, and pick your meal. We're going to have vendors. I, you know, we have a sponsor vendor committee that I am on because I love that. So everywhere I go, I want to shop, pick up something, you know, from vendors who are, you know, out there. And so we're going to have gift bags, we have prizes and, and raffles going on. Um, and also Nawasha Adu is the co-founder of Black Love School will be there. So every area of your life, you know, that you're working on can be transformed with these ladies that, that you just heard here. Um, so, 
you know, we have Cash App, so you can do that. But what I'd like people to do is just to um, to call me. You know, why not just call me and talk to me? The, that's old school, I know, to make a phone <laughs> call, you know. Um, but my number is 215-218-8001. And I definitely will pick up. If I don't, I will call you back because um, we want you there. We know you're going to enjoy it. Um, we've had other conferences, but they were on Zoom. And so this is our first live. And so that's really what's really, really exciting. Uh, I don't think that you'll be disappointed. My thing is free parking. How about that? I know it sounds small, but I always said, is there parking? I want to know that there's parking. And so, well, there's free parking. And during the lunch, you know, your sit-down lunch, we have entertainment. We actually have a band that's going to be there. So while you're shopping and eating, you'll have music, um, all kind of entertainment. And we're just looking forward to it. And the best, though, what I would say is that the transformation activated is starting because um, Kimberly S. Reed, Dr. Carol Penn, Nawasha Adu, you do not. These three ladies in the same place? Uh, you know, there might be an explosion. Okay. <laughs> so you got to come on out and, and see all of this and start your transformation. You got to remember if you're, if you're not transforming, learning and growing, you really are dying. And I hate to say it like that, but you really are. If you're not mm-hmm. moving forward, right. let us help you. Terry Stigler, thank you so much for that message. Terry Stigler is one of the founders of Sisters in Transformation, and they are having the conference Saturday, September 24th in Pensacola, New Jersey. And Dr. Carol Penn, she will be speaking at the conference. You don't want to miss that. Dr. Penn and Terry Stigler, thank you so much for sharing, and thanks for being a part of Bridging Philly. Sharaday Howard brings us this week's Newsmaker. News broadcasts all over the country show the fallout from a drastic rise in gun violence. Often it's just a snapshot or a few sound bites. Rarely do they tell the story. This week, we are, as Raheem Bell shares his. It's one of perseverance and strength, the story of a survivor turned community leader. Raheem, thank you for joining us on Bridging Philly. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> so I guess we'll start right at the beginning. Tell me about that night that changed your life forever. Uh, on April 11th, uh, 2022, I was sitting in my vehicle uh, when I was approached by a few males, a uh, f- few young individuals, and they just demanded my vehicle. Didn't resist, um, didn't put up a fight. As I was stepping out the vehicle, uh, I was struck two times in my stomach. Um, they shot you? They shot you twice? Yep, they shot me twice in my stomach, yep. So as you're sitting there, what's going through your mind? Uh, so as I'm sitting there, I'm just it's still processing it. Like, I'm really laying here shot, and I'm watching somebody go through my car and just drive away with it. it. So that was the beginning of this huge change, this transformation in you. That moment, could you feel it coming on? Um, yep, 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 I can feel it coming on. And the next, of course, the healing process. How was that for you since it was just a little while ago that all of this happened? Still going through it. Uh, still coming to the understanding that I'm really like a gunshot victim. Still just just still just going through it, still trying to process it. It's surreal. It's like one minute you're Raheem, but you made sure that you weren't a statistic. You made sure that that experience inspired you to do something bigger, to be something better. Yep, so the experience just inspired me just to be, just active in my community. Um, 
just reach out, try to understand what the youth are going through and just trying to understand like what's going on. Uh, just throwing community work and just being active in my community. And you've made a point to tell these kids that they're not alone. They're not going through all of this alone because you know firsthand, not only can you survive it, you can thrive through it. And how are you doing that? Through my community events that I'm doing. I'm going to try my best to make every holiday uh, and try to put some type of event together for the community. The, just to show them that it's somebody out here who who's willing to, to, willing to help you, willing to show you a better way. So as you're healing, this comes to mind. I'm gonna be a community leader. It just came to me. Uh, just it just came to me overnight. I guess I don't know how it comes came to me. <laughs> I guess it's my passion. I guess it's. I guess God put me through it just to. Sometimes God puts you through something difficult so that you come out better on the other side. Now you told me that. So, someone who was shot, you could easily just laid down and stayed down throughout your life. You know, let that be a metaphor for the rest of your life. Instead, you decided to let that pick you up and lift you up, that experience. That was very dark and very scary. Yeah, 100%, and I still feel that way. I feel like he put me through it. I feel like it was a test he put me through. I guess he, he put me through the test to, to see if I'm strong enough and fit for it to do these duties. What are these duties? What's your purpose now? I always had like the passion of being like a community person, helping others, someone, like a big brother in the neighborhood. I just didn't know how to go about it or like have like a crazy story to tell behind it, but. And now you do, now you've got a really wild story to tell. I guess God just put me through it just so I can be inspiring to others, I guess. You are inspiring. So what if some of the people, uh, the kids told you after all of this? Uh, they just told me, they just amazed how I just bounced back so fast, how. Um, that I'm just continuing to be myself, just being that positive role model that someone they can look to. So who was Raheem before all of this happened? Uh, Raheem before this was just very laid back, humble, um, kind of nervous to step out uh, and just, just laid back and just didn't really, just very laid back and humble. And now that all this has happened, you've been all over television, you've been all over the radio, all over newspapers, and now you've brought that shine back to your community. You've made sure something dark turned into light. Who's this man now sitting before me? Uh, so this man is somebody who's, who's living every day like his, his last. Uh, things can be easily taken away from you fast. So all my talents is just my time to, to, to show my talents and show people who Raheem Bell is. And let's not forget to tell everybody that you're a teacher as well, aren't you? So this just fits perfectly in the pocket of what you say your purpose is. It's something I've been doing for seven years. I work in the special ed department at uh, Frankfurt High School. It's something I love to do. Uh, I love the kids. Uh, they love me and just teaching daily life skills and personal experiences, professional experiences, just all incorporating it and just helping them be better kids and better individuals. So being a role model to these kids was not foreign to you. You're just kind of extending that out. Yeah, I'm just extending it out to, so I was more so in, in just Frankfurt High School. Now it's like extending out into the community now, like and around the surrounding communities. Everybody is, is noticing who I am and, and being inspired by my story. How's that make you feel? Makes me feel amazing. <laughs> Make, amazing, surreal. 
And you're kind of spreading it out because the last time I saw you, you were doing a back to school event and you literally pulled all of that together with your own two hands. And he had a partner in it, of course, but you are inspiring people to help you with a bigger cause. Yep, it was a community event. I just feel like kids needed school supplies. The pandemic just still going on. Um, unemployment rate is still high. And I felt like I to give back to the to the community with school supplies. I just put it all together. I just <laughs> you surprised yourself, didn't yeah, you? <laughs> surprised myself. Surprised myself when it all came together, and I just stopped and I just looked and it was just like I was amazed. I amazed myself. I amazed myself. What's the next thing for you? So the next thing for me, I'm gonna continue on. So I started a home care agency called Achievable Home Care, focusing on the elderly and disabled communities, providing non-medical home care. You've covered all your bases here, yeah. man. <laughs> now, this is pretty impressive. So now you're a businessman, mm. you're a teacher, mm. you're a community leader. Mm. I mean, who saw this coming? Just, just living, I guess, just living. So you look at yourself now. We asked you who you were before. Who do you see in the mirror now? I see someone who's ready for the challenge, ready to use my experiences, my talents to combat the violence that's going on in the streets of Philadelphia today. Because you have a voice now that you can lend to people who don't have it. And having that platform is golden in the black and brown communities. We need that. I feel like it's, it's needed. I feel like a lot of the teens are misguided. Me coming in as a leader, knowing my positive outlook that I had for them, and a lot of these kids just want to be kids and they're kind of getting a bad rap. You're showing not only the kids, but everyone else that, hey, there's a better way. And that's not the whole story. Because you can't like really judge a book by its cover. Um, I, I don't pay those people no mind. Um, those people just need to, I guess, do their research on a person um, before they even judge. Get to know uh, somebody. Yeah, get to know them. Uh, yeah, do your research before you can judge somebody. You can't. They say don't judge a book by its cover. You should never do that. And there are a lot of people out there who think, hey, it's a black guy, he got shot, you know, what was he doing? But they don't know the story. I'm sure being shot, you can be stereotyped in a way. It's just, I don't know why it happens. It's just the way it's set up. People go through things. I feel like a lot of people who are in charge doesn't understand like the black experience, the black life. You can't judge, like, you just can't judge the way it's set up. I just keep killing them with positivity. Showing positivity, that's it. If you believe in who you are, none of that stuff should matter. So Raheem, you tell me this experience ignited your passion. What is that passion? Uh, my passion is just to help people. Just to give people a better outlook on life. Just to show them that you can be anybody you want to be. It's, it's, it's all your choices. It's either right you can take. You can take the positive or the negative route. But the negative would never, it would never be a successful ending in the negative route. Was anyone that role model for you? Did you get that person to stop you and say, hey, choose wisely, make better choices, be positive? Not really, no. So you're giving kids what you were never given. Exactly, just giving kids what I was never given. Um, it wasn't too many like positive role models that I had that I looked up to. So if I can just, just create one in a way, that's uh, so what I'm, I'm just trying to do. So that's your superpower? Yeah, it's my superpower, you can say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's the last thing you have to say to these kids out there who are looking at you and they think, oh, man, he went through it. I'm just telling them to be a, be a man of himself, uh, be a leader. How cool it, is, it may look is not going to end up the way you think it's going to end. It's take the positive route. Take my experiences, like everything that I've been through. Just be, just be a leader. Thank you so much for joining us with Bridging Philly. You're welcome.
Philly Rising Changemaker is sponsored by Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Center, performing the most advanced heart procedures in the region. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa, in for Antoinette Lee with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. We've seen too many tragic losses and families torn apart by addiction, especially with the ongoing opioid epidemic. September is National Recovery Month, so we wanted to talk with someone who's helping people in recovery in our community. Darnell Hinton runs a nonprofit called Teach One, Feed One that helps support people at all stages of recovery, as well as their families and loved ones. His goal is to humanize addiction and eliminate the stigma surrounding it so we can start treating it like the disease it is. So today, we're talking with Darnell about his mission and how Teach One, Feed One helps people get and stay sober. Darnell, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start with just tell me the story of how Teach One, Feed One started. I understand you had the idea as part of your own recovery. Yes, I did. So um, I said I was about three months clean, 90 days clean. I was actually sitting in one of my group sessions. The idea kind of started when the clinician went around the room, um, which is pretty common in IOP sessions, especially on a Friday. He asked what everyone was going to do that weekend. For whatever reason, I got the strength to say, you know, what I was going to do. And I told him that. I was going to go to Kensington that weekend and feed the homeless. And he kind of looked at me for about two seconds and he kind of gave me this blank stare like, you know, well, you know, that's pretty noble of you. Um, I don't know if you believe me or not, but it kind of just started from there. And we kind of we went down that weekend. We had, I think, six people with us. And that process kind of continued and snowballed into what we have today. That's amazing. So where does the name come from? Teach One, Feed One? The name kind of originated by accident, to be completely honest with you. Me and my sister were kind of pondering what we should name it. And um, I think initially we wanted to call it Each One, Teach One. Um, But, you know, we both agreed, what if we call it Teach One, Feed One? The idea and the premise being, you know, if you give a man a fish, he can eat for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish, he can eat for the rest of his life. And when we say eat, we don't mean like physically eating. We mean like eat in the sense of like knowledge and just consuming things consuming uh, like life things all around me. So interesting. And it makes sense when you realize that it all started out of feeding the homeless just one day and then developed into feeding the community in so many other ways. I love that. So let's talk about some of the biggest challenges. And, you know, we've probably heard this a bunch of times, but in your opinion, some of the biggest challenges facing people who are recovering from addiction or maybe even some of the barriers to starting recovery that you are trying to help with? One of the biggest barriers and one of the biggest obstacles is just the stigma itself behind addiction. Just the fact that there is such a stigma behind associated, I should say, with the disease of addiction, it just makes the battle that much more difficult because people are already prone not to help you. And people are already prone to point their finger and say, you're going through this because this is a choice that you made, or you're going through this because you deserve this, or you're going through this because you're a bad person, or you're going through this because you caused this pain where we don't do that with other diseases. Like we don't, we don't do that with cancer. We don't, we don't do that with diabetes. We don't do that with, with any other kind of disease and a disease, in my opinion, at least a disease is no different in the level of love or care that they require, right? A disease is a disease. And if I love you and you love me, right. And we love each other. And I'm telling you that I'm going through something and I need your help. Why is that any different? Why, why should we, I guess, marginalize that you know, and, and make anyone feel less than because of what they're going through. It shouldn't be that way. Um, and I think through the, you know, continued work from organizations like ourselves and other organizations that have like, you know, like that are like-minded, I think we can continue to make advancements. 
Yeah. You touched on the idea that this is, if someone is suffering with addiction, it's because of something they did or their their choice. And I just think it's important to point out that that's not always the case. You know, it could be someone who was given drugs recovering from a surgery or an injury, or you try something once and then addiction just takes hold of you. It's not something that you're in control of. No. So the best way that I can process this for people that, that, that for people to understand is addiction is not a choice, right? So drugs and alcohol are not my problem. My problem is me and my problem, the addict, the, the uh, disease of addiction lies within my brain. Drugs and alcohol are not my problem. My problem is me and the way that I think. And my problem will always be me in the way that I think with or without drugs or alcohol. I'm five years clean. I'll have five years in March. My problem still persists every day. I still have to deal with me and I still have to deal with addiction and the way that my brain thinks every day. I just have healthier ways and healthier um, solutions. And I have different methods and I have different tools in my toolbox to deal with that now. Right. So the decision to pick up a drug or alcohol, yes, that's a choice. But being one in every seven Americans that suffer from the disease of addiction is not a choice because just like I picked up that red solo cup in college, I'm sure you did or anyone else did, but I didn't choose for my body to react any differently than anyone else's when they when they drank from that red solo cup. But for whatever reason, my body did react differently than yours. Now, let's talk about some of the programs that you offer through Teach One, Feed One. Um, what are some of the things that you are doing and providing to help people who are working through recovery? Okay, yeah. So I'll, I'll start with our mission. So our mission is to um, provide the tools for sustained sobriety to individuals in recovery and ongoing support to their loved ones. So with that, we help provide the resources to help individuals access, um, you know, give them access to treatment who otherwise wouldn't have access to treatment. We help provide them the resources to do so. And then conversely, we also help um, individuals who are successfully discharged from treatment, we help them maintain sustained sobriety. Um, in addition to that, we also provide care to loved ones or individuals that have been impacted by addiction in any way possible. So um, we have scholarships uh, that we have um, in the names of individuals who are no longer with us. And it's something that we give away annually on the day that that individual passed away. So for instance, we have the Ned Felici scholarship and it's a $500 scholarship that supports children that have been impacted due to the addiction, due to the disease of addiction. And um, the reason why it is that way is because Ned, uh, before he passed away, he left behind a son. So his son, I would like to think now will be impacted due to the disease of addiction. So um, what we do is every year on the day that Ned passed away, uh, we go over to the family's house. We got them a nice plaque made and the family chooses a recipient um, and that they want to support um, a child that has been impacted due to addiction. Um, they select that recipient. We go over there. They invite their friends. They invite their family. They invite whoever they want to invite. They order fruit, uh, food. Um, and they essentially turn a day that was traumatic or I guess in many ways still is traumatic. And they kind of make it a celebratory day um, and they make it a day to celebrate the life of their individual who's no longer with us. So the point of it is to give the family some reassurance that their loved one's name did not go in vain um, and to use that individual's name to keep their name alive for years and years to come and to do something positive for someone else in recovery as well. Yeah, that's a great effort. And then I know that you also offer sober living communities. I want to hear a bit about that. Um, you have a new men's sober house that just recently opened, I understand. We do. I'm also 
one of the co-owners of a um, male sober living or male recovery house program as well. And that program is designed for individuals who have just been discharged from treatment, 30 days clean, 60 days clean, so on and so forth, newly out of treatment, just getting reintegrated back into society. Um, so we have six of those houses. And then through Teach One, Feed One, through the nonprofit, we just opened a, um, a male step-down program. Our female house is coming soon. But basically what that is, is that house is designed for individuals who um, have sustained nine months or more of continuous sobriety. Um, and that house is, it offers less rules, less restrictions, uh, more freedom and more responsibility. So when you first come into a standard recovery house, there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of structure. There's a lot of, there's curfew. You know, you, you, you have to ask to take an overnight. You have to be there for a certain amount of time to take an overnight. You can't have guests over. There's a lot of things that you are not privy to. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, it's, it's, it's that way for a reason, you know, it's that way for a reason you have to earn that. Um, this house is for individuals who, I guess, essentially have phased out of that phase. They've, they've done everything right. They've now achieved nine months of continuous sobriety. Um, maybe they don't want to live in a house with, you know, three roommates anymore, two roommates anymore. Maybe they don't want to live in a house where they have to be told that they have to be home by 11 o'clock on the weekday. Maybe they don't want to live in a house where they have to be told that they have to do their chore. And if they don't do their chore, then they're going to suffer consequences. But they may not be fully ready to um, like financially ready, or they may not have the credit, the credit that they need just yet to go and get their own apartment. So this house is for that individual to help, you know, assist them in the process of phasing out and assist them in the process of moving on to the next phase of their, of, of that individual's life. And then it's our job when they get there to help them, you know, phase out of that program and get them to the next phase of their life. So it sounds like the goal is going beyond just providing resources. You know, you have things like this, you have activities and awards that people can can reach for, activities they can do sober. It's kind of building a community where people can carry on their lives while, you know, addiction is going to be something that you're probably battling your your whole life. So working through that together, it's not just saying, here's some money, here's an apartment, go off on your own. You're really with them through all of it. We're with, yeah, we're with them through the entire process. And like I said, it we, we do everything under the sun that encompasses our mission. So we provide the tools to individuals, you know, for, while providing ongoing support to their loved ones as well. With that, right, like we have the scholarships, we've, we, we go to Kensington periodically, um, and we provide resources to um, the, the, the population in need um, in Kensington with clothes and care packages and food. And, um, you know, uh, we just recently had wound care this past month um, in any way that we possibly can. We've given away vehicles to individuals in recovery who, um, you know, were, I guess, uh, who just celebrated a year of sobriety and, you know, a young girl who was taking the bus to and from work, taking a bus an hour back to and from to go see her son every weekend. We've, we've awarded individuals with, with vehicles. We've started college funds for individuals who have lost their loved ones to the disease of addiction. We started college funds to their kids. So they're set up and they're prepared when they go off to college. We, we've done... <laughs> We've paid for individuals to start their own nonprofit organization um, through their work in the community and just admiring their work and watching their work and seeing how much um, effort they're putting into it. We've gone ahead and we've provided them the financial means to go ahead and officially start their own nonprofit organization. We've <laughs> provided um, down payments on individual for individuals in recovery to go on and get their own place. We've found ways to accomplish 
Um, so many different things under that umbrella of our mission that it's extremely, it's extremely humbling. I want us to become the American Red Cross of addiction. So American Red Cross, you know, really big nonprofit organization, one of the most prominent nonprofit organizations of this time. What they do is they respond to natural disasters. Hurricane Katrina happened um, and American Red Cross was there immediately with lifeboats, food and any kind of resources that they could offer. I want to do that and respond to tragedies related to addiction. Um, so basically, just to give you an example, let's say we have a, um, a high school student, 4.0 student in Nebraska somewhere, and um, he's struggling with addiction and maybe his parents don't know or, or no one really knows what he's going through. And he's got a full ride to Nebraska University and he's about to go and do amazing things. And suddenly he, you know, he he suddenly passes from, you know, a, a an overdose. Um, I want to, you know, offer the family some grieving time, but find a way to reach out to that family, let them know who we are um, and let them know that we want to honor their son in, in any way that we possibly can and, you know, make our impact and keep that individual's name alive um, and continue to eliminate the stigma that's attached with addiction, just spread awareness and, and show individuals that this disease needs to be humanized like other diseases. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for all the amazing work that you do and that you are reaching people far and wide, probably more than we can imagine. If someone wants to get involved, whether it's because they need help recovering from addiction themselves or they want to help out and volunteer or donate, where can they reach you? How can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can give us a call. Our phone number is 877-215-TOFO. You can also visit our website. Our website is www.teachonefeedone.org. I know you do a bunch of events out in the community as well. What do you have coming up next? So, yeah, of course. Uh, Monday, September 26th will be our fourth annual golf outing. It's at the Jeffersonville Golf Club in uh, Jeffersonville, West Norton, uh, Pennsylvania. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think we got about 26 teams right now. We're going to cap out, I think, at maybe 32 or 35. So if anyone's interested, if any golfers are out there that just want to enjoy a round of golf, or if there's anyone out there who is you know, like-minded and they admire our work and they would love to support us, they can also support us in that way as well. And we would love to, we'd love to have you at our event. Great. Darnell Hinton, thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm extremely grateful and humbled to be here. So thank you. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on Air. Of course, please subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Sharaday Howard, Sabrina Boyd-Serka, and our producer, Arian Fulcher, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.